Rinkrats, welcome back. Welcome back to the Ringcast. I'm Andy Campbell. I am your host for this evening, and we are here for season five, episode three, to talk on the eve of the Blackhawks' uh, debut for the 2021 2022 season versus the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow night. Underdogs, perhaps, but we're all excited to get going here. I am here with uh, the usual suspects, uh, the trio of Andrews, uh, getting ready to go here. I am here with uh, Eric Andrews, always a fan favorite, the content editor of TheRink.com. Eric, how are we doing? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be here. Awesome. And Andrew Bard, who joined us two weeks ago, uh, new to the team, excellent uh, analytics, and we're uh, it's great to have you back here, Andrew. Happy National Hockey League Day. All right. Love that. Love that. And joining us will be Sean Fitzgerald. He will be popping in momentarily. We are all lost without his hat game. And lo and behold, here he is. Sean Fitzgerald is here, ladies and gentlemen. Sean, how are we doing, buddy? Good. Now that my internet's up and working, I'm good to go. Oh, internet's a good thing. We love that. Yeah. Rocking. Uh, had to stop with my hat game because Bard had me uh, last week. So, you know, uh, Got a little uh, Jonathan Taves 47 action going on tonight. I just love that hat. That is fantastic. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, I like that. And uh, Andrew, I like yours. And I'm going with the original green Cooper lid uh, sent away for this meshback hat. Very excited about it. I like that. Eric, Eric, just going hatless. Yeah, I'm not a big hat guy. Not feeling, but not feeling. You're all good. Yeah. Well, the other thing is Andrew Bard is rocking an awesome T-shirt today. Uh, he's got the rink gear, the rink swag. If you are interested, go to www.puckhockey.com, puckhockey.com. Use the discount code the rink in all caps for 10% off. If you buy $100 worth of uh, gear, it gets you a free T-shirt. Make sure you check out the rink wear, and um, they got some really good swag on there. So here we go, folks. We're on the eve of the season. I'm fired up. I hope you're all fired up. The team looks a lot different. They look better. Um, are they contenders or pretenders? We're going to dive into that. Episode title of this episode, Do They Have All the Right Tools for the Toolbox? And we're going to break it down a little bit. So in some news, and is what has become a, uh, a Stan Bowman uh, signature move, um, in recent years, is he has added a golden smoothie back to the lineup, or golden, not such a great defender, um, Eric Gustafson coming back to the Blackhawks uh, with some injuries uh, to the recently renovated blue line, if you will. So now Gusto's coming back. Ian Mitchell's made the club. Regula's on the roster. Top top four look pretty decent. Bottom six. I don't know so much. So what do we make of Gusto coming back? And uh, what do we think of the D right now? Are there some flaws here? Is this a group we're all worried about? Shawnee, what's your take? So um, Gustafson coming back makes somewhat of sense. If you think about it, they lost um, they lost Wyatt, who generally – would be on their power play and probably capped on their power play. So they're missing somebody in that regard. Um, Seth Jones or Caleb Jones going out also creates a void for a veteran defenseman in the bottom two. So I could see how it makes sense. Do I like the move? No. Does it make somewhat sense? Sure. He's also, he's $800,000 or $800,000. They sent him down to the AHL. He doesn't count against cap hit because it's not 1.1. Uh, million. Uh, I think uh, it's just he's familiar with the system too, so he knows how to, you know, what Colton likes. It's there's not really of an adjustment. He did play well in the preseason. I don't know though. He he's a defensive liability, so it makes sense, but I don't like it. I guess that's my stance on it. Yep, I think that all that all adds up for me too. Mr. Andrews, what do you think? Oh, he's back. <laughs> um, Deep sigh. I mean, I think anyone listening to us knows, generally speaking, how the rink as a whole feels about Eric Gustafson. Um, 
you know, he, he does well. I don't think anyone can take that away from him, but he is ultimately a defenseman and he cannot defend. So <laughs> Fair. that's, that's, that's about where I'm at with him. Um, I mean, like Sean was saying, I, I think that the the actual fit in his role does make some sense. You know, if they're trying to replace Wyatt Kalanuk's role in minutes, I guess that kind of makes sense. Um, that said, I mean, I don't know. Like, just roll with Ian Mitchell. Roll with somebody else. Like, why? Why did they have to just? go get Gustafson. I mean, like he's probably not offering you much more than someone else really would when you're looking at the complete package. Right. Yeah. I think that, that makes sense. Andrew, what's your take on this whole, this whole setup? Gustafson's back. I'm going to build on something Sean said, which was, you know, he, he knows what Colleton wants and likes to do. We know what he doesn't like to do, which is play defense and encourage his team to play defense. Gustafson right. plays no defense, so <laughs> he fits in perfectly with the uh, defensive scheme that they have, which is just non-existent. Hopefully that changes. We'll see. But let me spin it positively. I think the last time when we saw Gustafson, and look, he's he's not overnight going to become a good defenseman uh, or defensive defenseman, but I last time he was here, he was on the number one pair with a – with Duncan Keith, who was, you know, diminishing in his career. So now you could almost hide him a little bit and put him on the bottom bottom pair, um, have him play 10, maybe 12 minutes a night with, you know, a kid. It's not the greatest thing in the world. Ideally, I'd love to have him as a seventh defenseman, eighth defenseman at this stage, but who knows? I mean, then it's like, okay, do we play two rookies? Um, but I'm not a fan of it. But I understand it, as Sean said, um, you know, second power play unit, he can certainly play on that. Um, you know, I think I almost see it as a move for now until guys start to get healthy. So it's like if we can get by um, for the next, you know, month or so, whatever that is uh, with him there, then I think we'll be OK. I mean, the good news is, is that he's really, really not in a big time top four role. Right. I, I think that's huge. And I also like, I mean, you know, uh, John Jekyll today, when we were kind of bantering over it, you know, he mentioned, is this a pickup for three, three V three overtime situations? Um, which is interesting to think about. I never, you know, other than the David camp, win the face off three V three setup, which was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, which he never won the face off, which he never won the face off anyway. And then he was off the ice and didn't touch it again in a three on three situation. I don't know if that is, uh, you know, something that is considered at the at the GM level of let's go out and get a 3v3 guy. Um, you know, I think this is just something they know. He's a Band-Aid. I don't think he's necessarily a lock to be in the top six tomorrow night. I don't I don't know if he dresses. No, I don't think he plays Because he just showed up. Um, um, so what does that mean? And that kind of brings us, you know, to the, to the state of the D right now. That might mean Ian Mitchell's in the top six tomorrow night. Um, you know, which I think a lot of us were... I'm sorry. I'll I'll use I language, uh, not we. I won't speak for anybody. I I I was hopeful he was not going to be in the top six, and I actually was uh, the, was hoping Ian Mitchell would start the season in Rockford. Not meaning that he's a bad hockey player. Um, not meaning that his career's over and it's time to mail it in on him. Uh, but I still don't think he's ready to be a contributor at the NHL level. And now, and in the absence of Nathan McKinnon, who uh, a lot of you have heard tested positive for COVID, and he will not be playing tomorrow night. But that avalanche offense is no joke. And um, so I'm curious about, you know, what it's going to look like in that bottom six. And is he going to be with Stillman? Who's he going to be with? And who, you know, the top four, of, a lot of people feel pretty good about Jones um, and then McCabe and everything else and Connor Murphy, and that's great. Uh, but I think we're really going to see this D get tested right away, and it, it could be an onslaught. And uh, Mark Andre Fleury could might be very very busy in his debut in the cage. And so I wanted to open that up for the next question and kind of the general state of the defense right now. Um, obviously injuries happen. Uh, Shawnee, you mentioned the Jones injury. The Caleb Jones injury is a shame. 
Kalanuk was going to be a regular this year. Um, and now Gustafson is not exactly the part that you want to pick up. Um, are there questions around the D? Is this the area of the team that you are all worried about and concerned about? Me personally, I am. I'm not sure they're where they need to be. And um, Andrew, I'd like to open this up uh, up to you first to see what you think of the current state of the Blackhawk defenseman. So I think we could all agree that the talent is certainly better. Um, is it ready to mesh together chemistry-wise? That remains to be seen. My bigger concern than so much the talent being better, my biggest concern is is the defensive system. And has Colleton learned how or settled on a defensive system? Because quite frankly, I, I just did not see that. And maybe that was just a lack of experience, players who just aren't good defensively by nature. Um, I mean, you add somebody like a Seth Jones and a McCabe. I mean, those guys are, are good defensively. Um, you know, you have someone already there like uh, uh, Calvin DeHaan, who we know is good defensively. He obviously has to stay healthy. But Connor Murphy, we know what he brings to the table. So to me, that's a solid, real good front four. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of do we are, are they going to get burned out so easily because we're not using the bottom pair? Right. I mean, I hope we do. But there, there are some questions and some concerns. My biggest, like I said at the top of it, is is really the system and, and if this is a good enough defensive system that he has. Yeah, I like that. And I also think with DeHaan, if you want a full healthy season out of him, which he's not prone to having, his his minutes need to be limited. Mm-hmm. Um, they just do. I don't know if he's, he's not the kind of guy that could play 20-plus a night. Yeah, just going back to uh, what you were saying, exactly. I mean, it's having him in the top four scares me. Yeah. Having him in the middle pair, I'd rather have him in the bottom pair. Like if right. you told me that him and Gustafson was a was a third pair, I could get by with that. Yeah, I could get by with that with him and Mitchell too. Um, yeah, I agree with that. In the top four, Eric, what do you think? State of the D. Yeah, I mean, I I personally like the top four. Um, you know, that being Jones, McCabe, Murphy, and Dehan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe on a cup team like you guys were kind of alluding to, Dehan is probably a number five. Um, you know, but having him as a number four if he's healthy is fine in my opinion. Um, of course, you know, you guys were just talking about the bottom pair. You know, in my opinion, the Blackhawks lost their bottom pair. You know, I think tomorrow if there are no injuries, the bottom pair would have been Caleb Jones and Wyatt Kalnuck. So you know, yeah, it's going to be Riley Stillman and Ian Mitchell most likely playing the bottom pair tomorrow night. And, you know, that's fine, but we just have to, you know, keep in mind that once everyone's healthy, Riley Stillman's probably the number seven. Ian Mitchell is back in Rockford where he should be. Gustafson hopefully has been fired into the sun by that point. And, you know, we'll, we'll be in better shape, but, um, you know, to Andrew's point, I think, you know, obviously the, the system obviously is going to p- play a big factor in the success or lack thereof that the defense may or may not have this year. Um, you know, it, it's just going to come down to how well not only the defensemen, but also the forwards can execute that, um, you know, and not to, not to change it to the forwards, but I mean, it really, you know, the, the commitment that the forwards have in the defensive zone can make or break how the defensemen play in a lot of ways, because if your forwards are responsible, that's a lot less effort and work that the defensemen are having to do. So, you know, and again, I do think that goes back to the system like Andrew was talking about. So I'm going to be curious to see, you know, obviously there's a lot of new personnel on the back end, you know, how well can, uh, Jones and McCabe primarily, you know, get used to the system and be implementing it and all that. Um, I think that's going to be probably one of the biggest keys to this team's success the entire year is how well and how quickly those two specific acclimated to playing whatever this so-called system is. Yeah. Good call. Shawnee, where are you at with all this? The DA. Yeah. The um, I like what Eric said that the bottom pairing essentially is injured right now, and that's why we have to rely on Riley Stillman and Ian Mitchell. Um, 
Andrew also brought up a good point in terms of uh, Jeremy Colleton's system, which maybe I misunderstood or, but in years past, I thought they abandoned his defensive system just because they didn't have the personnel to play it. And the way I understood it is it's more <laughs> of a, like a um, man. It's almost like you're, it's man, almost like man to man is in terms of basketball. Like you, you're literally responsible for a guy in the defensive zone is what I took it. And they've always abandoned that because it's either they didn't have the personnel or it just wasn't working. And that's when they went to the freewheeling fun and gun. Uh, we're going to try to outscore you six, five every time. So yeah. um, I'm curious to, to see how that's going to play out. And then um, Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun times put out the lines at practice today. And he had McCabe and Murphy uh, skating on the top pair. And then uh, DeHaan and Jones is the second pair. And then obviously Stillman and Mitchell. So there's, um, that's just some speculation that that could be the the sixth defense when they roll out and what the pairings are for tomorrow night. Um, but I do feel good about the top four. Uh, Connor Murphy, um, I know um, Andy's talked about it a lot. Like Connor Murphy was probably their best defenseman last year and has really come on um, in his years with the Blackhawks. So I'm excited to see him continue to develop and be like a top line defenseman. Bringing in Seth Jones was huge. Yeah. If they can get, a majority of games out of Calvin DeHaan and keep him healthy, hopefully until Caleb Jones and Wyatt Kalyanuk and come back. And then maybe um, they've got a lot of options, I should say, because they're, they're still Nicholas Bodan. They still have Regula. Like they're not, I don't think they're as bad off as they were last year at all. I'm still concerned, but mm-hmm. not as concerned as I was last year. Last year, I just, I thought it was going to be like a blowtorch through Swiss cheese. Like there were people yeah. just going to burn through them. So, right. And it still wasn't great. No, <laughs> as is, I tell you though, I, you know, I also feel a little bit more comfortable with the current state of the, of the defense with the state of the goaltender. Um, yeah. You know, you do have Mark Andre Fleury, who's obviously Mark Andre Fleury, Vesna trophy winner, last year's Vesna trophy winner. You have Kevin Lankinen, who I think is uh, better fit in his supporting role right now as a true number two. I think in the NHL, he will be a number two. But if you recall last year, we're going, they were going into the season with all these young kids and they were going in with Lankin and Delia and Subban. Um, and Subban and Delia are now aptly placed in the AHL, cleared waivers. Uh, that works. So they're in Rockford. So I do think that the goaltending tandem, as well as a lot of their, their added forward depth, um, will certainly help that blue line come along a little bit. And Connor Murphy, great call, Shawnee. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Connor Murphy supporter. And, I mean, I, I would dare to say to go as far as did they win that trade with oh, the they beloved, they with beloved Nicholas Jalmerson? And no one thought we'd ever be saying that. But well, now you have a 28-year-old in his prime, and Nicholas yeah. Jalmerson has ended his terrific career. Yeah, he's got uh, his own night. His own, yep, uh, he's got his own night. night. He's got his own thing and a, and a – I mean, hats off to Nicholas Jalmerson and everything he's done uh, in his hockey career. But, you know, the result of that is that, that didn't exactly work out in Arizona. None of that was Nick Jalmerson's fault. Um, Arizona has been a mess for a long time. And at the time, there were those who were suggesting that the Blackhawks got absolutely fleeced. And now we have a 28-year-old defenseman who has just been extended and who's going to be around for many, many years. So in the end, uh, as much as I can't stand giving credit, uh, to Stan Bowman for anything he does, that trade is uh, seemingly starting to work out. Uh, we will get to a little bit more of our predictions later on in the show. We do have a comment from Gotta Do More, his annual preseason Hawk win-loss record. They're going to go 82-0. and 0. Hey, Gotta <laughs> Do More, really appreciate the optimism. We're right there with you. Uh, keep those comments coming. Uh, uh, flattered by what you think of our uh, of our Hawks. And 82-0 and 0 is bold. Maybe not bold enough. I don't know if you can get any more bold, but uh, but a terrific question. Um, let's tap into a little bit of the feel goods. I mean, when we when we talked, you know, two weeks ago, there was some talk about Borgstrom. Uh, there was some talk uh, about Reichel. We talked about Reichel and we said, oh, you know, maybe Reichel, maybe they'll just keep him just because. Um, it was very clear that Reichel is an immense talent, but not ready. The AHL and Rockford will do him do him well. Uh, but one name that did not come up that resurfaced shortly after that was Mackenzie Entwistle, 
who this kid just came out and he showed out. I mean, he was fantastic. Um, so I think the two biggest surprises um, as far as, you know, uh, the eyebrow raisers of who made the club, I think a lot of people thought Borgstrom. Uh, a lot of people saw that. And Whistle, I don't think anyone saw coming. Um, but this kid has something going on right now. He's playing with a ton of fire, a ton of energy. He did do well in Rockford, uh, but now he's in it. So those are the feel-good roster surprises. Um, will those guys stick is the big question. And uh, will they be around for a while? Andrew, what do you think of uh, of these moves and these guys making the club? So I, I think Entwistle has a chance to become a real fan favorite. I mean, I think the chemistry that he built – with um with Kiara as well as um with with Carpenter on that fourth line I think they really have a chance to be a nice workable fourth line that that can disrupt um which the Blackhawks haven't had probably since Kruger was you know very very productive uh around the 2015 season um the I I loved what I saw out of Borgstrom and I remember actually in the previous um podcast that we did I was concerned actually about Doc being on the third line and, you know, thinking he wasn't getting a, a fair chance. But, you know, the chemistry that he built with with Borgstrom, Borgstrom really showed a lot of creativity um, on that line with Hagel. I like that third line. Um, I know the Blackhawks under Q always had a third line that could, you know, play 200 feet. They could score. Um, they could do a little bit of everything. Um, so to me, I, I really like what he did on the wing. Curious to see if he eventually moves over to center, but um, for now, I, I, I like what I've seen so far. He's on the third line. I'll take it. Yeah, I like it too. Shawnee, your take on these two kids. Yeah, so I think everybody agrees, and Eric aptly pointed out last podcast, that uh, Henrik Borgstrom had to clear waivers, so he, he was right. going to make the club regardless. But, like, uh, um, Andrew, don't call me Daniel Bard, just pointed out, um, he, he has played well, like that third line with Kirby doc centering him and Brandon Hagel seems to be a very productive line. He was, he's been good in the face off dot. He said on the, um, Chicago Blackhawks insider podcast that I know Eric and I listened to earlier today that he definitely has been working on trying to be more, uh, responsible defensively and working on his four checking. So yep. That's a good thing. Um, I don't know if he'll ever live up to the hype of being the artiste, Henrik Borgstrom, or the magician, as Pat Foley called him. But, I mean, if he's a skilled guy who plays a, a more of a complete game, that's that's a win. They they gave up nothing, so that's a win for the Blackhawks. Yeah. And, the, and then Entwizzle has played well. He's got size, too. He's 6'3". That's something that they're, that they're, they've been lacking in the forward spot, so that, that's huge for them. And um, Thomas wrote a good article analyzing, you know, why he deserved to be on the opening night roster on the rink.com. So check that out. But yeah. yeah, he's, he's, he's a typical like grinder. Like he's part of the grind. Like when the third line was the grind line, they basically just wore you down and grinded you and, um, and twizzle meets that type of player. So I'm happy for both those guys. Um, I'm really excited to see if they're in the lineup night in and night out. I'd, um, I don't know if if they have one bad game, if Colleton's going to banish them. Um, like, I think he has a tendency to do with certain guys. So uh, yeah. I'm curious to know what he's going to do like that. I mean, yeah. last year, what, Dominic Kubelik didn't start well, and he cut his minutes. So, And I'm still bitter right. about that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you kind of have Gaudette kind of on the outside looking in right now on the roster. You know, I mean, with the line combinations. I mean, I but he'll – they're not going to wait long if someone's not producing to to insert his energy right in the lineup. Um, yeah, he know, he would fit well on that line too. With you could f flip any, you could flip him and Borgstrom, and you still have that third line. And they could still go. Yeah, no, I, I think that'd be a that'd be a key thing. That's for sure. Eric, what say you on uh, the end whistle surprise and and Borgstrom? Yeah, I mean, just repeating what Sean said. With Bolstrom, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me at all that he's on the roster. I mean, it was, in my opinion, just a given that he would be, whether or not he was in the top 12 or not. Um, but on the 23-man roster, pretty much knew that was going to be the case. Um, mm -hmm. 
that said, kind of what Andrew was saying, I was, you know, encouraged with what I saw from him in the preseason. You know, I don't think anyone necessarily knew really what to expect from him. So the fact that he did, you know, show pretty well and, you know, showed a little bit of, uh, you know, flexibility in the lineup and diversity with what he was able to provide, that's encouraging. Um, And like John was saying, you know, hearing on that podcast earlier today, you know, that he really is trying to work on, you know, some of those, you know, non-offensive puck skill type of, you know, characteristics, you know, the, the forechecking and the defense. I mean, that's really encouraging. And, you know, when, when I hear that, that's, I mean, not only is that what you want to hear and it's important, but the fact that he's doing those things, I think is also what's helping kind of potentially give him a leg up over somebody like, say, I don't know, an Alex Nylander, who clearly has no interest in doing those things. Right. So just that alone, that makes me interested in seeing how he continues to develop. Because if you are going to make it in the NHL as primarily a skilled offensive type player, you still have to be able to be a responsible 200-foot player unless you're just so amazingly good that you can just get away with doing that. Unless you're Patrick King. Patrick King King did both. (laughs) Right. And that's... You bring up an excellent point there. So, you know, that's one thing. Um, Definitely excited to see what he can do. Um, You know, like Sean was saying, I think it'll be interesting to see lineup, who gets in the lineup. Um, I do agree that, you know, someone like a Goddard and a Borgstrom could probably be interchangeable at different points throughout the season. Um, right. You know, which honestly, that's a good thing because you can change those guys out and you're probably getting about a similar contribution level, a similar role, a similar fit on that line. So I think that's really good. Um, and then switching to Entwistle, I mean, I think, you know, you guys kind of talked about it too, but I don't think that anyone really expected him to be here. Mm-mm. So the fact that he is, I mean, it just shows that he not only in preseason games, but also just in, in training camp practices and stuff that he played so well hand into keeping him around. And that's yeah. exactly what you want to see from a depth player like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think there's anything more you can really ask for, you know, from someone like that. Um, yeah. Obviously his contribution is probably going to be fairly limited but that's okay. I mean, if he's just a serviceable fourth line player that can chip in in various areas, that's great. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited that someone, you know, regardless of who that was, but someone kind of in that, uh, you know, AHL group, so to speak, really forced their hand and just said, no, you're keeping me here. And I'm going to do whatever I got to do to make it work and to contribute to the team. So. Yeah, definitely it was excited to see similar it. to Brandon Hagel. Like he yeah, he basically told deal. them they had to keep him last year by yeah. his play, and that's what N Twizzle's doing. And and I think it's safe to say, I think the consensus of this podcast is that the Hawks won the two trades with Arizona. Now N Twizzle yeah. making the yeah. NHL after the Hosa trade. Yep. Yep. Nicholas yeah, Jolerson coming back for his own uh, appreciation Arizona, night because yeah. his body's worn down. So Arizona can do no right, can they? But you know, I think the the main the main point is, I mean, and whistle to to have a kid who goes out there and just earns it. Uh, I mean, I don't know anyone who's not rooting for fifty eight right now. I mean, I hats off to that kid for the way that he came in um, to camp prepared, ready to earn a spot, and went out and did it. Um, and those are the guys you want around. And like yeah. all of you were saying, you know, he gave them no choice. He gave Colleton no choice. Um, and give the Hawks credit. I mean, he paid his yeah. dues. He went right. down there, and I think we, I think they knew, and we knew he was kind of ticketed to be a bottom six guy. Right. And he came in and knew his role and how he was, go- what he was going to need to do to make it here and stick here, and he did it. Yeah. Good no, for him. Awesome. Good for him. And I hope it works out. I hope it sticks. Yeah. And um, you know, we're rooting for you five eight and and Borgie. Uh, hopefully, some good things to come. So back, going yeah. to that forward group, we're you know we're breaking down some of the lines. If you look at some of the lines that are uh, people are prognosticating for tomorrow night, um, you know if you look at some of the names, you look at some of the players and the talents uh, talent on there. I'm excited 
to see a unit of uh, of 12 go out there that just on paper looks a lot better than it has been in years past. Um, Jonathan Taves looks ready. Will he be able to do this? Is it sustainable? Rumors about his ailment. Who knows what happened? There's all sorts of conversations about what it was, what it is. Uh, how can he go? Is this something that's going to come back? We don't know. He looks great right now. He looks great. Um, and better than I thought he would look. Um, you know, you've got Tyler Johnson now up the middle. Doc has just had a great training camp, his first training camp, which is also really important. Um, it looks like for opening night, they might be starting with this, uh, the, the Mighty Might line of Alex Dabrinkit, Tyler Johnson, and Patrick Kane, um, who probably have an average weight of maybe about 155, 165 soaking wet. I don't know. But, um, but if they can buzz and if Johnson can win pucks and they can find space, we'll see if that's going to work. Um, but at any rate, you know, and, and uh, we'll see, you know, I, we have seen Dominic Kubalik's it was two years of being a Blackhawk, the year he was most productive. We know who his center iceman was. Yeah, John I think if it is Kurashev on that other flank, I think that is also a nice fit. Um, and we just talked about line four, and, and we also talked about, you know, Hagel might be there with Borgstrom and with Doc, which I don't want to be against those guys. So with all this in mind, um, they seem deeper, certainly tougher in that sense. Are they going to be more productive? I mean, is this – are we going to be surprised? Are we going to be like, oh, the Hawks are kind of putting up numbers right now. And are they going to finally have that depth scoring and um, maybe even a power play that can uh, produce? We don't, we don't really know. I want to go, uh, I want to go to Eric first on this one. Um, because when you look at this and you break it down, I mean, are we, are you hopeful with the production that we might see here? Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts here. Um, First of all, I, I don't think that production is going to be an issue. I mean, I think you have three lines that can definitely put the puck in the net. I don't think there's any doubt there. Um, turning to the point about the power play, um, I mean, you look at how the power play was moving the puck the other night in that last preseason game. I mean, that, you know, yeah. sure, it's preseason game, whatever. I mean, that's still encouraging. You know, for the last however many years, it's been the, okay, get the puck to Patrick Kane and then we'll all just sit there and watch and see what he does. Yeah. We're going to see, we're going to see a magician do all his card tricks and sleight of hand before he actually moves the puck. Right. So the fact that they were moving the puck frequent, um, that was really encouraging to see. Season, I get it. Let's see it in the regular season. But still, just the fact they, you know, it, it appears as though they've really made a point of changing how the power play works. That's an improvement that's encouraging. So yeah. I do really like that, and I'm excited to see how that kind of unfolds. Um, and one thing, kind of going back to the production aspect, I am excited to see that what I'm calling the pint line of DeBrinkat, Johnson, and Kane. Um, I think that can just be an extremely exciting and fun line to watch. Um, I think, you know, they obviously are going to have their difficulties against certain matchups and certain situations, but, you know, let's not forget Debrinkat doesn't mind getting into corners, getting pucks. Mm -hmm. Johnson can do that as well. Um, you're not really going to see that with Kane, but I mean, you know, okay. If those two guys are getting enough pucks that they make it work offensively, that's great. Um, my biggest thing with the team, and I will agree with what you were kind of saying, Andy, is the forward depth better in terms of production? Absolutely. I don't think you can deny that. But my concern, and this has kind of been the team's issue for the last number of years, is I'm concerned that this is still really a regular season team. Yeah. I don't know that you can go into the playoffs with a top line of Debrinkat, Johnson, and Kane, and expect to get out of the first round. Well, right. I mean, every, just... all of you guys said they weren't even getting to the playoffs, so let's let's not talk about that. Uh, right, right. Not, I said uh, they were I getting. Them. <laughs> <laughs> but Gates, Gates not here, you know. Oh, that's true. Some negativity's out. So I love you, Gates. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just my my thing. I mean, I think Checks in the mail. This this yeah. forward group is built 
pretty to very well for the regular season. And I think they will be a very fun and exciting team to watch. I'm just a little hesitant to be excited about any postseason potential for that production. You know, I could see the offense really drying up once they, or if, or when they get into the playoffs. Um, so that's just something to keep an eye on. But yeah, I mean, as we stand right now today, entering the, the regular season, I think there's a lot to be excited about with the offense, you know, whether that be the potential for production or the depth. Gotcha. Good call on all that. Shawnee, what's your take? Yeah. So yeah. the one thing I think we're forgetting about last season is the power play started off at his historic pace. Like it was ridiculous last year at one point. And I think the difference this year is going to be consistency. I think they're not going to flame out like they did last year. Like at yeah. one point, the power play was as useful as a wet blanket towards the end of the season. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't effective at all after like they couldn't do no wrong. And they scored, I think one game they scored three or four power play goals. So the big thing, I know Eric kind of said it like this team is built for the regular season, which is fine. And they're going to be consistent. That's the thing they didn't have last year in goal uh, in the forwards, nothing. They had no level of consistency. It was, Night in and night out, you didn't know where, like, who was going to drive the play or if we were just going to do circles around the outsides. Like, none of that. Now you know that, like, the pint line is going to drive the offense. And then that fourth line is, you don't, you're going to get hit or you're going to, something's going to happen in the corners with those guys. Like, you know what you're getting. And that's consistency. And that's a big thing that they needed. And that's something that I think there's they're going to be more productive because they're going to be more consistent. Like you're not counting on Philip Kurashev to be a, a big time scorer. You want him to be. You you you're not counting on guys. You're not counting on so much inexperience like you were last season and in years past. So this is probably the most consistent team and sturdily built team since they since probably like when they probably when the last time they won the Stanley Cup and then they panicked when they lost to Nashville in uh, a sweep uh, the year after they panicked and they tore everything down. So I think this consistency is going to be the model night in and night out. They're going to be in games. They're going to win more than they're going to lose. And the forwards are going to produce at a level that we haven't seen in a number of years. Is it good enough to win a playoff series? Probably not. Is it good enough to be entertaining, put people in the seats, keep Patrick Kane happy? Yes. Gotcha. That's what it is, and that's what they're built for. Yeah, Andrew, is this where you're at too? Are you catching Sean's frisbee here, or do you feel differently about some of this? No, I am. I I think deeper, stronger, and productive is definitely you know spot on. I I I think they remind me of the 1980s Golden State Warriors, where they're going to be a pretty good offensive team. You know, if you remember the run TMC days of Mullen Hardaway and Mitch Richmond, they, well, they're going to play no defense, but they'll be good offensively, and that's a, as a team. Um, you know, I, I agree with the point about the playoffs because I think the, the the pint line would probably get absolutely crushed. However, I mean, I think with more productivity, what you have with that is more options. And I think if someone like a Kirby Doc works his way up to, let's just say, the top line or the second line, and maybe a Tyler Johnson moves down a little bit or, you know, they, they just have ways to move things around. And so I, I, I think there's some ways to get, you know, a little bit more um, size down the middle, if you will, that they yeah. won't have to necessarily go into the playoffs and say, you know, we have to run with the pipeline because quite frankly, if they play a team that has, you know, a, a line the size of the Legion of Doom, they're going to get crushed. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm very, very optimistic about their forward group. I think, you know, like, like I said, the depth is there. Um, the power play should certainly be better, especially with um, Seth Jones there on the first, you know, power play uh, unit. Um, you know, Duncan Keith is, you know, he was just such a waste when he was out there. I mean, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with his shot. Um, I just never yeah. liked him as a, as a guy on the power play, even going yeah. back 10 years. I always thought of him as a guy who's, you know, really good carrying the, carrying the mail. But, you know, when it came down to the power play and just, you know, shooting, he was horrible. Um, but I'll digress on that one. But yeah, uh, on the second unit, you know, having Gustafson, eventually Caleb Jones, I think will be 
um, helpful as well. I, I think, like I said, there's more options. And the word that I used before when we were talking about Borkshire was creativity. I just think there's a lot more creativity on this team when you talk mm-hmm. about guys like, you know, Johnson and, you know, we, we had Kershaw last year, but Borkstrom, add all these guys in, there's there's creativity that I still think is a little bit also untapped. So I think guys may earn their way onto the power play as well. Yeah. Great calls, everybody. I think, you know, what's, what's fascinating is the naysayers now with the, with the Tyler Johnson acquisition are saying, oh, well, you're, you're not going to get that same guy that was scoring all those goals in the 2015 playoffs. And, well, yeah, uh, we know that. Um, that's not why he's here. Um, and that wasn't his role in Tampa Bay the last couple of years. I think that he's a, he's a much better defensive forward than people give him credit for right now. Um, and I actually think that as far as in zone, you know, Patrick Kane is in zone play is not the finest, his defensive zone play. And that is well-documented, but I still think down low as a center iceman, you know, I do think Johnson can still do some things and assist with that D. Um, and kind of Sean better Moore, than anything we had there. Better recently. than anything we got. Yeah, and now now if he doesn't become Andrew Brunette, then you're fine, right? Oh, or Andrew Ladd, or Andrew, or Andrew Ladd. Ladd. Yes, let's yeah, just throw, no, let's I, just throw any Andrew we can think out of the bus. Eric Andrew becomes Andrew Bard, that he's screwed. And well, Andrew, don't call me Daniel Bard, you know. Yeah. But the the center <laughs> depth is there. I mean, now now you have some guys that are they're playing wing and playing center uh, that can that can do both. You know, the other thing is two years ago, you know, we're playing or Alex Nylander and Dylan Strom are playing out of necessity. Now they're not playing because they're not needed. Um, and it's that simple because there's just better personnel yeah. uh, in the lineup. I think it is that simple. And I tell you, I, I think that one of the guys that that's really going to turn some heads this year and we're going to get halfway through the season and go, and just go, wow, great pickup is uh, is Kyra. I mean, I, I yeah. think he's awesome. I, I think that guy plays with a lot of toughness. He's sneaky offensively. Um, you know, he's a very good skater. Uh, M. Wessels, uh, that first goal that he scored in the preseason, Kyra set that up. Yeah. Um, so that's a really nice pickup. Um, that guy could play on the third or fourth line. He will, if he's healthy, I assume he will be in the lineup for the majority of the season, um, unless he ends up in in uh, in Colleton's doghouse somehow. But um yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's a different group and it's a better group, and um, you know there's again, no, I, I don't think there's anyone that is going to be playing uh, on Wednesday night tomorrow night that collectively we're going to go. Why is this guy in the lineup? Uh, it looks like they all belong um, as far as the the team's makeup right now, and even some that could be in there that aren't playing right now, you know, such as Ogodet, you know, and so it's you know we're in years past where you kind of look at who's thrown out we're there. And <laughs> there, well, there you go. And that's that's our that we can segue into that right now, um, actually. And my favorite Blackhawk of all time, Dylan Strom, uh, who we're about to talk about. And um, here's the deal. Uh, for a long time, it seems like the Blackhawks were trying to uh, squeeze everything they could out of Dylan Strom and the square peg into the round hole philosophy. Um, he's never seemed to fit. You know, there are those out there. Mark Lazarus says, well, hey, he's, you know, he's right up there with their top point producers of the last three years. Yeah, sure. You know, most guys that play with Patrick Kane will have those results. Most guys that go into a run and gun offensive system where defense is not played with a brand new head coach that just wants to see what he's working with. Yeah, Strom's perfect for that. He is a decent power play, you know, asset to a certain extent. He's okay at the dot. He's okay at the dot. You know, maybe he's getting better. The, I, the bottom line is Dylan Strom does not fit in with the current makeup of the Chicago Blackhawks. And I, I think that's where we are. And um, and he will not be in the opening uh, night lineup tomorrow night. This is a young man who's getting $3 million a year. Another trade with the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> so so maybe we lost this, that one. Okay. Maybe this is the one that we did lose, even though I still think that, that that's just a guy for a guy. Um, pretty much ultimately. Um, and so now Twitter's a buzz today being like, well, he's not in the lineup. So either he is on the block or we're just going to go ahead and say that and make it up. Um, so who knows if he's actually being dealt or they're fielding calls about him, but what on earth do you do with Dylan Strom right now? I mean, I don't, you know, I, I just want to open this up for conversation and not to sit here and knock his play, which I'm prone to doing and, and certainly not shy about, but you have a $3 million you know, player who's just kind of there. And um, I I don't think his, I don't think him in the lineup will have any impact on the team's trajectory. 
uh, one way or the other and could possibly be for the negative. So is Dylan, do you believe still in still in Drome? There it is. Do we <laughs> believe that Dylan Strom is on the trading block. Do you want to see him gone? Can you get anything for him? Is that important at all? Or do you just deal him away for, for a East Coast Hockey League name in an effort to free up a prorated $3 million before the trade deadline to see what you can pick up? Thoughts on that, Andrew? We're going to go to you first. Um, yes, he will be traded. I don't think he's going to be here much longer. Um, I, I think he's the classic, um, you know, change of scenery may help him. Who knows? But it's just not working here. It hasn't worked out here. Um, even though he started off pretty well, um, you know, he averaged nearly a point a game. I don't remember the exact numbers, but, um, you know, he started off really, really well. But quite frankly, I think his time is just done. There's just no room for him. There's no place for him. Um, it's one of those things where he's a little bit of a tweener. He's just not good enough as a center. Um, but, and, he, and he certainly is too soft on the wing, too. Um, but I, I just, uh, quite frankly, I think flip him for whatever you can get draft pick, whatever. I mean, just get rid of the salary. I, I don't think it's because you know, quite frankly, if there's a body that's coming back, you know, for an NHL roster, where is that body going to play? Unless it's really an impact player, which you're not going to get. Um, can you get a B level prospect? Maybe you probably have to throw in maybe a small sweetener. But um, I'm just not sure what you're going to get in return. But quite frankly, it's one of these, you know, addition by subtraction kind of things is the way that I see it. Yeah. Shawnee, what's your what's your feeling on this whole setup with Dylan Strom right now? So, yeah, I was while Andrew was talking, he was a point uh, per he was 51 points in 58 games. So uh, I was just checking on that. Um, but, yeah, he doesn't. On a rebuilding team, he's fine because you're not trying to win. You're rebuilding. He's a placeholder. But on this team, they have an abundance of center depth now, and he just doesn't fit any openings. So they're going to move him, hopefully. Um, I think it's probably not going to be right away. I think it's going to be like the Eric Gustafson move. So when somebody gets hurt, a team is going to call or they're going to try an internal option until they realize it doesn't work and they're going to call. The Blackhawks yeah. probably will have to retain some of his cap hit if they really want to move him for any sort of prospect. But it's unfortunately like he's just he's the odd man out. And it's not um and I think Colleton's really soured on him. I if I remember correctly, wasn't it in a must-win game that Colleton benched him? Mm -hmm. was the like it was a must win they had a, a win yeah, game to keep their playoff dreams alive yes. and called and he was according to the numbers i think he was their best their second or third best center second maybe he was second best in the faceoff dot for the team last year still mm -hmm. wasn't very good but he was on their team their second best fa uh, faceoff winner and they benched him so that's that tells you everything to know what jerry's about him we saw where he was playing or what lines he was skating on during training camp and now he's the odd man out. So they're just waiting either for somebody to have an injury where they could move him for something, or they're keeping him around just in case Jonathan Taves isn't, you know, ready to go. And, or like he re has a relapse or a setback or something, then they at least have got a guy they know he can kind of play center. They can right. move some things around, but they're not, they're not they're not scrambling to sign um, somebody to fill in that spot. So I think that they're kind of he's he they're hedging their bet with him. Yeah. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I think that point that Sean just made is something that you know we do need to kind of keep in mind. I mean, yes, Taves looked good in the preseason, but we just have no clue if this is sustainable for yeah. any sort of meaningful length of time. So, you know, does Dylan Strom have any sort of spot in the top 12 right now? No, I think that's fairly apparent, but, you know, like Sean was saying, if ta something happens to Taves, you know, that's not a bad option to have. It's not ideal, but you know, it's, it's probably better than who else, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I Tanner think Tanner Carroll. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but no, I mean, I think, you know, if, if Taves is good to go, which hopefully he is, then there's no point having Don Strom in the organization. He's just a guy taking up a seat in the press box at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, so in my opinion, yeah, it's, if you can get anything for him, great. Um, I mean, this just came to my mind. I don't know that it would really be a great fit for the other team, but just throwing it out there. Cause you know, why not? Um, there were reports today that Vitaly Kravtsov from the Rangers wanted out. So could you work something out there? Maybe you have to throw in something else to get him, but I mean, that's a guy, you know, a first round reclamation project, nonetheless. Um, oh, yeah. So, that, you know, yeah. maybe sending Dylan Strom to the Rangers, you know, might be something to consider. Um, obviously, his brother's there, um, you know, and I'm not sure that their middle six is probably as good as it could or should be. So, could he contribute there? Maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe that's something to think about. I mean, you might have to add something, you know, a, a mid-round pick or a prospect or something to get someone like Kravtsov. But, you know, the fact that he wants out, um, you know, it's something to think about. Now, would someone like a Kravtsov really even have a spot in Chicago? I don't know. You know, maybe he could be another guy that kind of fits in where Borgstrom is and kind of joins that rotation or a Kershev or, you know, someone, but I don't know. I mean, going back to the original point, I just, there's no, there's no spot or role for Dylan Strom. I mean, he's not good enough to be a top six player here and he doesn't have the tools to be a bottom six player. Their center depth is as strong as it's been in years and he can't really play on the wing. So yep. there's nowhere for him to play in Chicago. Yeah. So And I just thought of this. The reason why they held on to him so long is because Stan Bowman loves first round reclamation projects. Oh, he yeah. loves them. Oh, he Mike. sure does. And and the only one that's really I mean, unless I'm missing somebody, Michael Froleek is the only one that really panned out right. in their benefit immensely. And I think didn't he just get released or he's yeah, on waivers or something. I would have taken him over Gustafson. Yeah, some of the some of the other first round projects like Radistav Olesh did not work out very well. I don't think David he ever Runblad. Ever played. Yeah. <laughs> David Runblad. David Runblad. Um, That's another one. Perlini. Um, Marco Dano. Marco Dano. Yeah, there's, there's a good one. You're right about that. Perlini. Yeah, I forgot about Perlini. Oh, Brandon Perlini. Yeah. Oilers great. Yeah, there's some good ones out there. So. A Red quick, Wings, great. Yeah, a quick mm-hmm. lightning round, yes, no. Is Dylan Strom currently in in Chicago or in the Chicago organization come January 1st, 2022? Andrew? No. Eric? I'm going to say he is, but he should not. Yes or no answers. Yeah, I know. Yes. Love, love the lightning round. No. No. And I'm gonna go no. I don't think he's, <laughs> I don't think he's gonna be here either, or I hope not. But you know, it's uh, you know, going back to the reclamation projects, the two latest and greatest, and two names that we have bantered uh, around quite a bit as far as our level of disappointment have been Dylan Strom and Alexander Nylander. Um, I don't think either of them will be NHL fixtures for much longer. Truthfully, they can play with Matt Tompkins over in Europe. Yeah. They'll be fine. Right. I mean, I don't. I, I think. I think Alex Nylander, unfortunately, I, I don't. Maybe he'll get a game or two getting called up if he's doing okay in Rockford here and there, just to say, hey, we we still think about you, kid. Uh, but would, after that, I think I think that might be it for him in the NHL. Period. Would uh, they do? Andy and maybe everybody else, just kind of a question that came to mind. Sorry. Um, yeah, would they do like an Alec, like a David Runblad situation where they loaned him out with Nylander if somebody overseas wanted him? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I, you know, he's on a one year deal, expires after this year. I mean, I don't, he's, I mean, the leash could not be any shorter than it is for him. And I, I think, I think ultimately at this year, it will, they will be parting ways with both of these players never to be seen again in the organization and, and maybe not even for the NHL for that matter. I think Dylan Strome might be able to hang around for a couple more years um, and have a couple, you know, 40 game seasons here and there with a couple clubs while he goes up and f- up and back from the NHL with the A 
Nylander, I think, will be overseas uh, next year. I think he will be uh, finishing his professional career in Europe, um, IMO. So real quick, uh, we're doing well under the hour here, but let's wrap it up. This was posted. I believe it was Andrew who texts earlier and said, why don't we do a cup prediction? Who is in the Stanley Cup final this year? Andrew, since you wanted this question, what do you got? Who makes it to the final? Who walks away with the chalice? Who's celebrating it come summer 22? What do you got? I'm going to go a little bit chalk-y in the West. I'm going to go Colorado. I think it's just sometimes it takes time. Oh, no. They're a second-round exit every year. Didn't you know that? <laughs> I, you know what? I, I And, you know, that's a, so I'm sorry, the Andrew. You're so the, the rink. That's a thing at the rink. We always say they're out in the second round. Yeah. No more sod, no more Donskoy. Well, here's the thing. You know, we saw that with the Capitals. We saw that with, with the Blues. We, we've seen that with a lot of teams. The lightning. It just yeah. takes time. Lightning to a degree. It just takes time to get over that hump. And I think now they're going to do that. I think they get to the final. I think they beat Carolina. Quite frankly, I don't think the West outside of um, maybe Vegas really scares me. I just I don't think it's really a very strong conference. I think there's a lot of maybe good to very good teams, and Colorado to me has really the only upside as a great team. Um, so I think they go, and I think they beat Carolina. Um, I I love Carolina's depth. I think they're so well coached, um, and you know it, it was a tough choice between Carolina and dare I say the uh, the local Islanders here. Um, I was thinking about taking them because you know. They could get over the hump as well uh, with Tampa Bay not being as strong uh, as they were last year. But um, I'm going to go a little bit um, off the grid and go with Carolina. I like it. Eric, what do you got? Who do you got? Who are your Who are your two cup finalists? Uh, I'm going to say Arizona and Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> yes. All right. No, Tepo in for the Conn Smythe. I mean, it's probably probably better than any defenseman they've got, maybe outside of Chickering. But um, no, I mean, I would say I, I like your Carolina pick. I mean, I think maybe they're not the favorite pick out of the East, but I mean, I don't see why they can't make it. I really like what they've done in net. Um, you know, they they do have two, you know, fairly solid goaltenders now. Both of them have had injury issues, so, I mean, that's going to be a factor. But, you know, assuming that at least one of those two net monitors is healthy throughout the season and the postseason, I think they'll be in pretty good shape. Um, yes, they lost Dougie Hamilton, but, you know, I think he's kind of one of those guys where it's like, do you, I mean, obviously you miss that, but when you're talking playoff hockey, do you really miss that? Not really. Dougie so, Hamilton to me is a bigger, taller. He's a taller Brian Campbell. Yeah, very pretty much. I mean, he, and he isn't can, this like his third or fourth team? There's a reason mm-hmm. he keeps moving on. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Boston traded him, Calgary traded him, Carolina yeah. let him go. Like, yeah, he's I mean, not a he's not the kind of guy that you win a Stanley Cup with if he's your number one defenseman. Right. So now Carolina's right, you know, rightful number one defenseman is the great Jacob Slavin, of course. So, of course. Um, you know, but in all seriousness, I, I do really like what Carolina has up front and on the back end, and they solidified their goaltending. So, I mean, I think that's a solid pick. I could see Florida. I could see the Islanders as well. But I'll follow suit and go with the Hurricanes. Um, that might just be a heart pick because I I like them better than any, any other Eastern Conference team personally. But um, I'll go with them. And then out of the West, um, I'm, I'm a big Vegas Golden Knights fan yep. and believer. Um, you know, I, I would love to see our, our former rink favorite, Robin Leonard, have some, some success. Um, you know, and yes, they have some question marks for sure. Um, still don't really have a first line center, but generally speaking, their forward group is pretty solid. They have a pretty good defensive core. So I think that they have as good of a chance as anybody from the West. I mean, I think um, most people would consider Vegas and Colorado to be one and two in the West, and no one else is probably super close to either of them, at least on paper. Um, so I'll go with Vegas just because I, I like them 
better personally. Um, you know, and as Sean alluded to, Colorado just is legally not allowed to get out of the second round. So yeah. I'll go with uh, Carolina and Vegas. Sean. All right. So I'm going to go with the Florida Panthers out of the yeah. East. I like um, what Q's doing down there with those guys. And I don't know, they're they're a Q-type team. And I think just the fact that Tampa's down and I, I don't trust Varlamov or anything in, in New York. Um, I just think, and hopefully Bob will have a better year this year. And they still have good players. I like Florida. And then I will not pick Colorado out of the West because they're going to lose in the second round. Um, I'm going to pick Vegas as well. I think uh, they're the team. I think Mark Stone and those guys, and Robin Leonard, um, all they really needed was cap space, and that's why they gave us the flower. So I think they're uh, they're ready to go. And I think it's going to be um, Q winning in another cup with the Florida Panthers. Wow. Yes. So I, it's kind of a homerish pick, I guess. Gate, call me a jabroni when he hears this. I'm sure he will. <laughs> But I'm going bold. I like yep. it. So I too will go with the West with the Colorado Avalanche, and I might <sighs> I might end up regretting that. It might not happen. I am very very tempted to throw out there uh, the rematch of the 1984 Stanley Cup Finals, uh, where we saw Gretzky's Oilers finally take over um, the New York Islanders. Uh, teams of the 80s, the New York Islanders teams of the 80s, who I firmly will go toe-to-toe with with anybody and say that's the greatest hockey dynasty of all time. Um, 19 straight playoff series wins. that We'll, we'll never see that again. Um, and the Stanley Cup champions this year beating the Colorado Avalanche in five games because Colorado shouldn't be there, but will get there, will be the New York Islanders. Uh, I love the addition of Parisi. I think Barry Trotz is the best coach in the NHL. And they were so close last year and did it all without Anders Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you plug him back in there and they are going to be an absolute force this year. And, um, and their, their brand of hockey is awesome. It's really, really exciting. They are tough. They are fast. And they, they play with a continuity that I really want to see them win it um, because it's like, okay, this is a group that really buys in. A lot of them have been there for a while now philosophically they're all on the same page my stanley cup champions new york islanders will defeat the colorado avalanche would there be a revolt though because lou amarillo would then win the cup again is that going to be a revolt here or i don't know just by ranger fans there will be yeah yeah Yeah. i mean if you know the rivalry around here it's not going to be fun no and the potfin sucks chance there will be people at the parade saying them it's just going to happen somewhere around here um you'll you'll hear it somehow but um but i like the islanders this year um, I do want in future podcasts, and speaking of which, we should we should break down a little bit more of the NHL's history, best teams of all time, best individual seasons of all time, best, best playoff performances of all time. Uh, we are going to do some of that this year uh, once we get into the colder months and hockey's really on the brain, and uh, we'll open it up for some really good debates. That's for sure. To that end, uh, we have eclipsed the hour mark. Any final thoughts, lads? Uh, after what has been another successful podcast tonight. Awesome. Well, good luck to the uh, Chicago uh, Blackhawks tomorrow night. Oh, Eric, you got something. Yeah, just uh, on that note, um, be sure to keep an eye out for Sean's recap coming tomorrow or maybe Thursday morning. Either way, um, recapping the season opener tomorrow night against those Second round exit Colorado Avalanche. Um, so it's it's also the first game on TNT. Yeah, it's a it's a national game, so like we get to see the TNT go. broadcast yep. for the first time. So that's going to be exciting. Like first regular season broadcast. That's right. going to be exciting. And you can follow Sean Fitzgerald and get his recap on Diesel three four two six on his Twitter account. Um, Andy Campbell, my Twitter account is Andy Campbell 16. Eric, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, W A Laxer 19. So W A L A X E R 19. Awesome. And Andrew Bard, where are you at? ASB 1216. Excellent. Excellent. And you can follow any of the rink product at the rink.com. 
as well as our official Twitter handles that are the Rink Chicago, the Rink Official, the Rink Podcast. Be sure to give us a follow. Um, thank you all for joining tonight. One last uh, advertising clip: www. Puck Hockey. That's p u c k h c k y. dot com. Use discount code the Rink in all caps for ten percent off. Spend a hundo, you get a free T-shirt. Make sure you check out some of our gear. Follow all of us on therink.com for some great uh, recaps, uh, as well as a new Kraken page, and uh, but for some great Blackhawk hockey. Good luck to our Hawks tomorrow night um, as we enter a new season, and um, get up, get excited, folks. And uh, thank you all for the listening.